Oh, hey, did you hear our new theme song, Luke? Ah, wow. That was uh, Ranks, R-A-N-X. Is that who made that theme song? All capital letters, yeah. I uh, I made sure to ask. I thought I asked. <laughs> I must not have. It's possible that there are different answers at different times with Ranks, you know? That's true. Ranks is a uh, mysterious sort. A badass sort. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh... He gets to, according to what he told me, he gets to play bio freaks as much as he wants. He stays up late. Wow. He's sworn at a teacher or two. So, yeah. Does he have all the bionicles? He has lots of bionicles. Okay. He doesn't have any of the like really expensive ones because it just feels like it's. Well, he says that he feels like it's a waste of money, but I think he just. I don't think that's the real reason he doesn't have them. But, uh, I, I think I'm going to wait and see, you know, what his collection looks like before I, I give him the moniker badass. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's fair. But uh, he, uh, he like, melts some of the stuff together, like, fuses it. And he'll take, like, parts from other toys and fuse them, oh. weld them to the bionicles and stuff. So he's, so, he's scary, is what you're telling me. Yeah. He's a bad kid. Does he even get to does he even get to like does he have his own key to the house? Yeah. Cool. His his parents sometimes aren't home till like seven, seven thirty. Oh, I bet he gets to watch lots of TV. Yeah. And uh play unlimited video games As until seven thirty. But then here's the thing. Mm. So he's allowed one hour a night of playing video games, but he just plays from when he gets home to 7.30. And then his parents are like, hey, did you play video games? No. So I still have my hour. Bad ass. Okay. Uh, ranks is uh, ranks a tank. Thanks, Ranks. Thanks, Ranks, for the theme song. Welcome to Hardcore Haven. Hardcore Haven. The show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. My name is Brendan Flaherty. And I'm Chip... I forgot his last name. I'm Luke Pennick. <laughs> you mean Chip, Chip Conway? Uh, yeah, like the least successful improviser from Whose Line? It's uh, you know, it's a tough crowd to stand. Wayne up. Wayne Brady Light. Diet Wayne. Let's call him Diet. Diet. Diet Wayne Brady. Just didn't have the singing chops. Um, he did. That was he. Just there was no reason Chip. to have two musical improvisers. Uh, at the same time, it's a, for a cast of four, it's a pretty specialized role. Their whole thing was to get Wayne and Chip to like team up on a young woman in the audience and sing a song about her, and it was kind of creepy every single time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I spoken like a person. Um, you know what I just said. Spoken like a person who recently uh, watched the uh, Drew Carey presents. Uh, pay-per-view live from las vegas which he did wrestling to promote <laughs> wow it's like why he's in the wwe hall of fame is because he did he did rest he's, he showed up at the royal rumble so he could promote the fact that he was doing a pay-per-view of his own what did he think the sort of crossover audience was there us i guess well if i i don't know like i would have liked both of those things when i was when it aired 
but I wasn't paying attention to either because I didn't, I wasn't enough cable. Yeah. And I wasn't buying any pay-per-views. No. Do you know anyone, any kid who got a pay-per-view at any point? I don't. I feel yeah. like, I feel like there's more of an American culture around that. Yeah. I don't even th- like, even when we had cable, I don't think we ever like ordered a movie on it or anything. I feel like maybe it's just like being latchkey kids like we are, like middle class parents, being like skeptical of the like um, value of that kind of thing. Definitely. And I would say rightfully so. As somebody who has paid $50 for AEW pay-per-views that I loved very much, (laughs) I still felt like, well, I loved that. $50 is a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, you got to chip in with some friends, make it a social occasion. But I guess with social distancing... uh, Can't be done. Can't be done. Uh, The, you know, we would rent movies, but I feel like it's because we were able to, like, touch it. Yeah. It just felt more like it had a higher value. The pay-per-view stuff's so ephemeral that you can't... Yeah. Very much so. I want to... I, I have to admit, it did feel pretty cool ordering a pay-per-view. Something I've always wanted to do. Cross you did that this off my last back. week for uh, Double or Nothing? Yeah, actually, the second time didn't feel nearly as cool, even though I enjoyed the show a lot. The yeah. second time, the novelty was gone, and it was just like, ah, really could have gotten that for free. It's kind of like the first time you smoke a cigarette. Yeah. You're like, whoa, and then you smoke it again, you're like, I guess I'll just keep doing this. Oh, so the first one was the best one. I don't know. Is that accurate? I've never smoked a cigarette. <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's, uh... I, uh, I remember uh, puffing a cigarette when I was in high school and feeling very, very sick and having to go home from a party. <laughs> I think I did that to impress uh, somebody once at a party. So uh, No, one, no other reason. One puff. Yeah. One puff, then... Go in the alley, throw up, and go home. Ten years have gone by since that moment, or so. <laughs> and recently, this person made a Facebook post that I saw, and I went, who's this? <laughs> and then I clicked and found out. And I was like, it's weird how life changes. <laughs> life throws a curveball or two at you. It uh, certainly does. Uh no one can uh, speak more of curveballs than someone who's going to be showing up a little later on in the program. Road Warrior Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, spoiler. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a baseball guy to me. Well, I mean, uh, I guess so. Uh, if there's a part, what, what what position would you play in the team as like a really burly person who likes the. The strongest one. Yes. I don't, I, I don't know enough about baseball. Yeah. Yeah. The umpire's enforcer. You ever see that movie, Kill the Umpire? No. It's like a comedy. It's a baseball comedy. About a slapstick in it. That Baseball offers you a lot of natural opportunities for slapstick. I guess, hey, there's like you falling over, sliding and hitting stuff. There's... Baseball bats involved, yeah. balls flying everywhere that are really hard and really, really hurt. You're just describing my honeymoon. So, ECW, Eastern Championship Wrestling, aired on Sports Channel on June 1st, 1993, and me and Luke were along for the ride. 
Were we ever? Yeah, Sports Channel in Philadelphia. And I think they're going out to a couple affiliates at this point. So getting some traction, bigger crowd. This episode features the first appearance on the WWE Network editions anyway of the Sports Channel station graphic, which was very nice and made me wish that we were watching actual tapes of this show recorded off the TV with the commercials intact. Yeah. That would have just been beautiful. What you get with those uh, are all of the like local ads for sales and things like that that are going on, which I always enjoy those local ads. Oh, yeah. Not quite as not quite as high tech as the the big multinationals. This is probably a bad thing to bring up, but uh, no, this is probably like a little bit of a too far of a tangent, but uh, I was watching. Uh, some cable television the other night, and they broke in to have an update about the local protests in response to the death of George Floyd. And this is Buffalo, New York. And they had, a, I think it was like a mayor of Buffalo or somebody doing a statement. And he's wearing a face mask, but it was like, it had like a pattern of pizza on it. <laughs> he oh, just, no. He looked like a complete idiot. Like oh, wrong yeah. time for a uh for that for that, that level of basement. of whimsy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and he was also on the wrong side of things too. He's telling people to just stay Sh- home. Shocker that uh a guy who would wear a pizza mask to that sort of yeah. occasion would lack the uh Lack the ability to treat it with the respect it needed. I gotta stop mentioning things that are gonna that are gonna time this recording up because if I was oh, yeah. hear it, it'll be like July, and uh, racism will have been solved. We did it. Oh my god! We've gotta we've gotta pretend it's June first, nineteen ninety three. It was the, the first? yeah June first, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, what a what a sunny day. I don't know. That's. Tomorrow, 17 years ago tomorrow as we record this, right? <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, when you're listening to this in, uh, by the time we get around to releasing it in the year 2021, uh, just remember, we love you. We miss you. We love you. We miss you. The This is still that damaged, like, purple and green. Very purple and green. It yeah. Looks, it looks like a hilarious House of Frightenstein. Yeah, very much so. But that was an intentional design choice on their part. Didn't they make that show in Hamilton? They did. The Philadelphia of Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not, I feel like, maybe as bad as it was in the last one. And I think the reason that I think that is because when they cut to show... Oh, they show some clips, don't they? Yeah. Too many clips. Too many clips. Too many clips. That's the thing. So we start off. Well, I guess we got a little bit going on in the beginning because uh, Polly Dangerously is here. He does his bit where he taps Stevie Wonderful on the shoulder, asks him to head backstage to watch the monitors for him. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be on commentary, and he says uh, some great stuff. He says the whole damn promotion is Mickey Mouse. And 
he says a very weird thing to Jay Selly. He says, pull your underwear back so I can see your nose, butt face. I don't even get yeah. that. I don't even get that. Pull your underwear back. So it's not that his face is a butt. It's that his butt is a face. <laughs> <laughs> and he pinches his cheeks, which is really weird. Yeah, uh, Paulie definitely injects something into it. But I think he maybe has to be working with people who are more on his level for it to work really well. That seems true. But I also think like his, his approach at this moment in time, I, I feel like is like, he does, he can do no wrong. And he doesn't really care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about how much, if I was like, if I had been watching, uh, extreme or Eastern championship wrestling since like before it was on TV, how much it would be driving me crazy that him and his guys were monopolizing the program. Sure. And it's like, oh, I just want this guy to get his comeuppance. And who knows if he'll ever get his comeuppance. Well, he's coming up in the world. So, yeah, it definitely works that he's being so obnoxious right now. And, and uh, well, I mean, from his point of view, he he was on a, you know, major cable wrestling show. And now he's on a regional local promotion. Mm-hmm. So, and his ego is probably pretty bruised by that, but he also is probably like plotting his world domination. And I guess that's why we're here. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, we are. That's why he's still on TV today. Uh, and off it. He's running raw. And I'm like, I don't think Raw's very good. Right. He's running raw? Yeah, he's running raw. Oh man. Do you know about this? No. No, I've That's a whole other podcast that's like every other wrestling podcast probably, but uh yeah. Paul Heyman is uh running raw and uh uh Eric Bischoff at the same time was hired to run SmackDown. <laughs> Lasted a couple months and has been replaced by Bruce Pritchard. Wow. They uh it's like they don't know that there's a broader pool of people that they can draw from than the people that they've been using for the last 30 years. You don't just have to swap them in and out of different roles. Very much so. It's like it's like when um, an old white guy runs for public office and you're like, just stop. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of other people who could do this job. And they could probably do it better than you. Just give it a rest. You don't... You don't have to be the default choice here. But they were born this way. Uh, so before we get started tonight with tonight's hot mad action, we're going to head back to just one week ago for clips. A full a full rendition of last week's tag team title match. One of the most bizarre, like, they did that once, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And I thought, okay, they're not going to do that again. They There was probably some production error. Nope. We're going right back to a match that we have already seen. I mean, uh, like I said before, obviously, they're they're not taking for granted that they have an audience week to week. They're trying to show people the most exciting stuff. But I, the tactics that they're using are so backwards. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, we'll talk about it a little bit later on that they show some <sighs> coming up soon clips. And the way that they do that is just absolutely it's like a crime. <laughs> like, it's so badly done. 
I don't I don't get how any of that could be working. Like it's like there this is tried and true. Serialized fiction has a format and it's like, yeah, you let us know at the beginning what has happened before and you let us know at the end what's going to happen later. You know? Yeah. You don't break it into the middle anywhere. Over probably your best match. <laughs> oh my god. That's coming up. So first up we got a match though, right? Yeah, so after we see the clip, Salvatore Bellomo versus Super Destroyer number one. Now, what's hilarious about this, Brendan? I don't know if you caught this. Okay. But Salvatore Bellomo had called himself Super Destroyer number three at one point, which was really, really funny. And then he got beat up by Super Destroyer one and two which was hilarious, and now he's against Super Destroyer number one, and there seems to be a little bit of confusion at the announcing booth over whether this is Super Destroyer number three or what. Thank you for dripping so much with sarcasm that uh, <laughs> it completely communicates just how garbage all of this is. Oh, my God. What? What's the? What's the point of this? Uh, give him something to do. <laughs> well, he's already got, he's like, I feel like he's already just drenched in gimmicks. He's always got food around. He's got his funny thing. Yeah. He says all the crazy stuff. Like, yeah. they don't need to add another layer on top of that. I guess it's like a funny, it's like a funny idea for a feud that is so poorly executed and it's like they don't commit to it enough to make it last long enough for anyone to even care. Like you could do this as like a six week thing where it's like he comes in and he want, tries to be friends with them and they don't like him, And so then he comes back as one of them and just pretends and they, and maybe he a couple weeks in a row, like wins a match in that character. And then they figure it out. They chase him out of the room, or like maybe then later on he they're doing a match and he like shows up and tries to you know pretend like he's one of the gang and and uh, help them out and they don't want his help and maybe he loses a match for them by trying to help them and all these things that can happen and they don't do any of that stuff. As you've uh, as you pointed out before, all of my uh, angles are essentially pranks, <laughs> and uh, Sal Belomo could uh, catch up with one of the Super Destroyers in the bathroom and tie him up right before a tag match. And then he's uh, and then he dresses as a Super Destroyer and goes in the ring and starts tagging with the other one. And then partway through, uh, somebody like Terry Funk go, oh, I got to go back and drop a deuce. And then he sees the tied up Super Destroyer, unties him and he comes out to the ring. And then they beat up Sal Belomo because they realize he's an imposter. Didn't they do that in uh, WWE at some point with somebody? Pretty much exactly that. I, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> complete with Terry Funk having to drop yeah, a deuce. Yeah, com complete with Terry Funk having to drop a deuce. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Cut, cut this out. I didn't say that. But uh, <laughs> but what I'm what I'm trying to say is uh, they they could have at least. They could have at least try because it. it's like it is funny, I suppose, the idea of somebody who is wearing a disguise, but it's very obviously who they are because of the yeah. rest of their attire being and an appearance being impossible to disguise. 
So like that's funny on its own, but then if you combine it with like the the commentators being confused over whether or not it's him. Yeah. Like this if this is a kids show, make it a kids show, but it's it's not. Yeah, like the the end, I mean, it's him getting beat up by two guys. It's not like <laughs> It's not a sweet, fun ending. Or maybe it is. We don't know how this I mean, this I guess wrestling at this point is pretty much geared towards kids. But, like, this show isn't, doesn't seem like it's pandering in that direction. No. No, it seems like it wants to definitely go the opposite direction. Yeah. Kids don't give a shit who Don Morocco is. No. Nor, uh, nor do these adults. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> exactly. Paul Heyman, though, is a great heel commentator. This has been said, but I'm saying yeah. it. I love when he says he takes issue with uh, uh, there being wrestling happening because he says, like, Jay Selly is advocating violence because he's yeah. the, re- the refs, the refs, he, he wants the refs to just let them play. <laughs> like, and then later That's... on, he, he, there's some, uh, there's some violence going on. There's some like un unsanctioned stuff, and Jay Sully's like, "No, oh, how how could this be?" And then Paul Heyman's like, "No, it's violence. What do you expect? This is wrestling. It's a violent thing." <laughs> yeah, he uh, he managed to he managed to catch Jay Sully a couple times with that stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's the game he's playing. He's really just trying to fuck with the guy. Yeah, trying to catch him in his hypocrisies. Finally. Well, no, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the wrestlers, are they're, they know what sport it is. They just want to play. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Super Destroyer uh, 1 or 2 stomps on the wild man's fingers, rakes him in the eyes. So I guess they're doing the heel move set. Yeah. Uh, there are heels, I suppose. That's what they brought in their toolbox today. The wild man. Did you see him do this, like, uh, Sabaloma does this grapple. looks kind of just like he's giving a neck massage or like a double Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah. I could. My neck's a little sore at the moment. I wouldn't mind trying that out. If that man is still alive and he wants to come give me a massage, I will pay him in pizza. <laughs> Be careful what you offer. <laughs> yeah. He has a, there's a snap mare and a pizza splash off the ropes for a near fall. Then Super Destroyer number two interferes. And there's DQ. It's over. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Nobody, uh... I guess there's progress made in a feud. That's all you can say for it. Yes, that then goes nowhere. The heels beat uh, Sal down at the behest of Hunter Q. Robbins III. Tommy Cairo does a run-in to make the save because reasons i guess i guess he is bad has a rivalry with the super destroyers he doesn't have any affiliation with sal Belomo, but he was the one that was handcuffed to right Hunter. so hunter q robbins the third that's beautiful I just gave that a shot that was nice <laughs> that was him uh, saying his own name no that was uh i don't even know who it was wonderful <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I think it might have been. I think it might have been. Uh, the best is like Tommy Cairo runs in, and I was like, "What?" And then Jay Sully says, "I didn't even know he had an affiliation with Sal Belomo because he he doesn't." There just aren't a lot of guys. 
Yeah, access. If they have need somebody to ring it to run in, there's nobody <laughs> who has an affiliation with Sal Balomo. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, that'd be great if they could, you know, that could they could introduce an affiliation. Like once again, creative opportunity completely wasted, but uh, gotta fill the time, I suppose. Yeah, that's the story of. These early things, you got to fill the time. <laughs> oh, no, it's 40 minutes a week? Oh, shit. <laughs> Why don't uh, you just have wrestling? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to have, like, promos for, like, live events that are in two months. Uh, the brawl to the back, we're off to commercial. We get a graphic for the Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular, and a new match has been announced. It's the Dark Patriot versus the return of Dirty Dick Murdoch. I think he was a WCW guy. Yeah. Uh, is it was maybe Dirty Dick Slater? Oh yeah, same guy. That's a funnier name. So I'm just looking that up right now. Like Dirty Dick, Dick Slater because it sounds like Dick Slater, which is funny. That's wrestling humor right there. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't Google. Could have Googled, didn't Google. Not a fan. I Chandler binged it, maybe. <laughs> uh, Dirty Dick Murdoch is not the same as Dirty Dick Slater. Two different Dirty Dicks. Two In different... wrestling? Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Get it? It's like his name is Dick, but he's a Dirty Dick. It's Don't funny. get that? He'll be uh, he'll be in his late forties when he shows up here. <laughs> and uh, uh, is he dead? <laughs> is he alive? He is very much. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that match will take place three years before, almost exactly three years before his death. Actually, oh, June fifteenth, nineteen ninety six. That's such a morbid way of putting it. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't know at the time, but he only had three years to live, and that's what he was doing with himself. And watch his final match. Ooh, Murdoch was the 27th entrant in the 1995 Royal Rumble. Ah, uh, yes, everyone's favorite Royal Rumble. The winner, of course, was... Uh, I'm going to guess f- The Undertaker. 1995. No, I bet it was Lex. No, Bret Hart. No. 1995. Razor Ramon. Ooh, I like. I'm gonna go with uh, Diesel. You're gonna guess Diesel. <laughs> We're just taking jokes from OSW. Yeah, it's hard not to. It enters into the lexicon. Shout out to OSW Review for changing our brains. Yeah, you wrecked us. Uh, and you killed us. Event. Ooh, uh, Shawn Michaels. Wow. He was the first wrestler to win the Rumble after entering first, but he didn't do it honestly. Oh, that was when he was the Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he celebrated in the ring with Pamela Anderson. And that's our wrestling recap. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll come back next week when we talk about the Royal Rumble 1996. Um, so uh, we got to uh, come back from commercial. We got a match with uh, Tommy Cairo. He's uh, still here. And yeah. Glenn Osborne at Osborne Osborne. My main man, Glenn Osborne. What is he? Like? Man. The desert. The madman yeah. from the Badlands. Yeah. Ooh. He's my Des- guy. Desert gecko. I want to take for mine. That's actually pretty good. 
the bad man from the Badlands. I like that. Makes him sound real. Uh, I don't know. Real, real. Yeah. De- what are, Badlands are like desert. Desert. Okay. Yeah. I think, think of, of them as yeah, like halfway between prairie and desert. Yeah, but they're usually associated with uh, kind of cowboys and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> there's a good line. I like when uh, I like when he gets shampooed with uh, soda. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's coming up because he's fighting Eddie Gilbert and Jimmy Snuka. And you actually watch this match, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just decided, I mean, there's so there's so little meat on the bones of this show that yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I can't afford to, especially when they're going to show a recap and then miss most of another match with a, an announcement. Oh, my God. So there's immediately a brawl to the outside and a very purple Eddie Gilbert throws Osborne into the chairs, hits him with another chair. Yeah, there's something in Eddie Gilbert's skin tone that's really bringing that purple. <laughs> I mean, everything's purple or green, but he's very purple. Yeah. He's like, uh, I would say he's like that uh, Mr. Sketch Fuchsia marker. Ooh, yeah. Are those the ones that smell? That's the Mr. Sketch. Ooh, love them. The gateway to huffing. Yeah, and what a gateway. Eddie Gilbert hits Osborne with the, the bell hammer, which I really like. You don't see that enough. No. And he holds it very much the way that Triple H uses the sledgehammer, where he's obviously yeah. holding it at both ends and isn't hitting the person with it at all. <laughs> As out of a desire to not murder him. I mean, I do appreciate that, because Eddie Gilbert conveys, he seems like kind of like like a mean, like a sel- selfish guy. But he's totally like, he takes care of his opponent, it seems. so. Yep. Works him over with a chair, throws him in the ring, and he does the the, the soda bit. Which yeah, really pours like. it. And is it uh, is it Paul Heyman who says that uh, he needs a shampoo? <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. That's good stuff. Paul Heyman's one liners are are very good because uh, they're always very obviously improvised. Yeah. Uh, and reactive to the circumstances in a way that, like, the way that, like, Stevie Wonderful and Jay Selly react to the circumstances are just to, like, repeat what's happening. Yeah. Not to, like, add anything to it. Just say what you see. Yeah. But they say, like, Stevie Wonderful will say, like, they'll argue about it. They'll just be like, they'll be like, oh, and he hits him with a chair. Well, what do you expect him to hit him with? You know, like, that's, like, the kind of tension between them. I didn't see that. Where's your glasses? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so I guess this is a no DQ match, which wasn't announced because there's been almost no action not involving foreign objects or being outside of the ring. Do you think that this is Paul Heyman's influence? I don't know, because Eddie Gilbert seems to like this kind of stuff. And yeah. So it's it's hard to say. Einstein. Oh, hi, Einstein. Hey, buddy. It's okay. Einstein, the cat is... The official mascot of Hardcore Haven, the podcast. Einstein Froyenic. Just uh, totally changing the um, hyphenated name trend and uh, bucking it and instead having a combo name, a portmanteau. Ellen's already got a hyphenated name, you see. Right. Well, you just add more hyphens. It's like a matryoshka. Ah, so the smallest one goes last. (laughs) Yeah, you put the smallest name in the middle of the name. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so uh, what do we got going on here? Oh, yeah. We got Osborne hits hot stuff with some arm bars, tags it in at Tommy Cairo, runs well with a couple moves before Eddie Gilbert walks away like a coward. Yeah, and like get, a little oh, I love this. So he gives Jimmy Snook a big hug. <laughs> it's very tender. They embrace. And then he, he recants and decides to like go back and try again. I like this because it's like, but it's very like house show energy. Oh, yeah, totally. It's not what you do with your TV, TV time. It's good for the live crowd. That's with uh with Sal Belomo too. Yeah. He's you know, he's meant for house shows. And he'd probably be a lot of fun to watch at a house show. I think the things that make that distinction is like TV, it's all about like using your time wisely. And I feel although these days when some wrestling shows are three hours long, it's like Yeah. There's no such thing. But uh yeah, and it just feels like that's really all you ask out of your TV show that you're watching is for it to like kind of move along. <laughs> yeah, make it make it so that it's got, you know, you like at the end of it, you like the people that you're supposed to like a little more and you dislike the people that you're supposed to dislike a little more and you enjoyed in between. And you were entertained, thrilled, perhaps even cried a little bit. If you cried, you're a baby. <laughs> oh yeah soundboard that was me i know that was a really good baby noise. i got lots i got i got yeah i got another one. Auga. <laughs> oh yeah that's like a horny noise yes not yeah. very much so that's what uh austin stone cold steve austin powers said uh <laughs> Oh, now there's a character. Don't call the T-Boss in power. <laughs> How you feeling horny, baby? <laughs> oh, behave. And that's the bottom line. Uh, you got yourself a winner there. <laughs> I, don't, I think that lasts about as far as I can throw it. <laughs> I'm an international man of mystery. <laughs> that's not my penis pump. <laughs> Another classic lines. Oh man, you got me. <laughs> if there's one, if there's one thing I know about you: the Venn diagram of Austin Powers <laughs> fan and wrestling fan. You are in the center of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm the ideal audience for that game. <laughs> Glenn, uh, yeah, Glenn Osborne tags back in, keeps the armbar fest going. Jimmy Snicker tags in, does a few punchy moves, hits a body slam, does everything really slowly. Yeah, boy. And with as little energy as possible. But I like that uh, Eddie Gilbert uh, felt successful about the pop can thing. So he goes, uh, goes uh, interferes from the outside, hits Glenn Osborne in the head with a different can of pop that's full. He's found his, he found, he's found his niche. He's found his new thing. Six-pack Gilbert. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm I, just looking at looking at my notes, trying to figure yeah. out where we are here. Okay, well, I will uh, help help grease the wheels of that. Grease uh, me. Paul Heyman has this great moment where uh, the match seems to be getting away from his guys, so he says they're going to commercial, which isn't true. Nice. I like that. And then uh, Tommy Cairo goes for a drop kick and misses. Gets hit by Eddie Gilbert with his signature move. The hot shot. The kind hot of, uh, shot. What do you call that? Like a draping DDT? Yeah. I think that would be 
accurate. And I got a got his legs up on the ropes, and uh, you pull the guy's head down like you're slamming it down, but you're you're not. Spoiler spoiler alert. <laughs> you're not. And pins him for the win. And that's one, two, three. Kind of fun, kind of useless. Not really anything. There wasn't any titles on the line. Not really any feuds besides two of the guys are heels and two of the guys are not. Yeah, which is, you know, it's the way a lot of this seems to be going. Very much so. A lot of tag team uh, matches, not a lot of tag teams. Not, they're not, they didn't, uh, they didn't really bury Tommy Cairo and Glenn Osborne in the way that they have been with their stars. It was not a squash match. It was a actual wrestling match. There weren't a lot of moves in it, though. No, God, no. It was mostly schmas and wacky hardcore stuff. I guess it's a hardcore match. It can it it can make it tough when there's nothing in the like there's no real landmark that you can point at and be like, okay, this is when something started to turn in the match. It's just like a series of things happening. A lot of their matches seem to be like, yeah, it's just like back and forth until it's done. And yeah, there's no no storytelling. Are we? Where did the storytelling go? Are we ruined by the WWE formula, though? Like, are our brains broken? Well, it depends when the WWE formula would have taken place. Because, like, if we're talking, because, like, 90s WCW, like, WCW at this time was doing better stuff than this. Yes and no. I mean, it's that thing of, like, they had really good wrestlers, and they had really good wrestling, but they didn't do a good job of knowing that that was true. Right, yeah. Um, whereas WWE was paying people so much at the time. I mean, they were, they were, I mean, zooming out, it's like, this is 1993. 1992 was a year where WWE dealt with sexual harassment and the sexual assault lawsuits, uh, the steroid trial. And a number of people leaving to go wrestle in uh, WCW. And the 1993 uh, would have been Hulk Hogan's last time with them. So it is a time of transition in wrestling, for sure. It was a time of transition. That's, but it was also uh, a time of love. And the WCW was getting ready to launch their own counterattack. That's my... Uh, that's my Rise or no, not Rise and Fall. The WCW, the Monday Night Wars documentary, classic. Well, that's the thing is like people are constantly looking for a new Monday Night Wars situation because of how canonized that whole thing is. But it's like you're literally just describing like two competing cable TV shows (laughs) with the same audience and and sort of the same format. But it's like you know, it's I guess it's unlike anything else because it's essentially a sports product and there, there aren't a lot of other examples of that, but it's like, you know, there's, I don't know. There are people that tried to create competing versions of Saturday night live. And they always fail. Right. Too big to fail. Fridays. Mad TV. Other. You are now watching mad TV. I'm not actually, because it's not on. I am. <laughs> uh, the uh, the 
match three. We got a match again. JT, well, we we should have a match. Yes. <laughs> right. It's supposed to be JT Smith and Max Thrasher. And with it, we, we cut to it in the middle of the match from the commercial break. And immediately break into it with a special report from Jay Selly in a yellow polo shirt. And so JT Smith is definitely their best wrestler at this point. I agree. Max Thrasher's on that, you know, he's up there. He's a good heel. He's kind of got like, uh, what, like Jake the Snake energy? Like he looks like a trucker. and Yeah. He's not that athletic, but he's like got skills. Yeah. Uh, and so they're cutting away from this. Now, keep in mind that they showed a match from last week in its entirety. <laughs> they have had loads of stuff that do- they had uh, Sal Bolomo versus <laughs> Super Destroyer number one. Uh, and like the two, two of the guys that they should really be building for the company. Instead, they make this really long announcement over top of. And the announcement is clips of stuff to come, but it's phrased in such a way that you don't know that until after they've shown you the clips. Yeah, I thought I thought it was something that they were saying had happened at like uh, a special event yes. the last week or something. That's what it sounded like. And then they show the clips and the clips are all like narrated like you are seeing the thing and but you don't. Like it's all him saying like and here we have this match where this happened, but you just see 20 seconds of that but not the specific like events being described. It's very weird. I have to admit, I am looking forward to seeing J.T. Smith versus the Dark Patriot. Yeah, because they spoiled that we're going to get to see like this amazing <laughs> uh, balcony uh, dive. The first of many in the ECW arena. Yeah. But I was very confused because, yeah, I was like, wait, we've not seen the arena. We've not seen these matches. What's going on? Also, why is there a third suicide blonde? Why is Tommy Stetson a heel? There's it, totally it brings sick. up so many questions, but I got to admit it. Do, it did make me kind of look forward to seeing how those things are going to happen. So I, I guess in that case, it's like it is useful promotion, but it just didn't, it was done so badly. And why does it have to be over a match? Why is it in a match? Like that's actually like the third time this has happened where they're like they interrupt something but they don't have to with something they could just show after as a way to like make it seem more exciting i guess like oh we just found this out we saw we saw the future <laughs> we collated this footage together and it turns out we found something yeah so yeah we get the announcements and then we just come right back and the the match started uh was this a match that we joined in progress in the first place um, yes, we joined it in progress in the first place. So, yeah, like cutting out as much of that match as possible. Um, yeah, this is just, yeah. And then there's like, no, none of this match left. JT Smith wins in case it matters. Yeah. Uh, Polly, I guess, has to be involved in the next match because then he's like, gotta go. Bye bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Um, and then we have another match. It's Magnificent Morocco versus the Sandman for the ECW Championship. The match he asked for. The match he bullied Todd Gordon into getting. 
Todd Gordon's spineless little wimp. Little pawn broker. Little like you broke pawns, baby. Yeah. Because you could never broker a bishop. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. What do you make yeah. of this match, Brendan? I mean, <laughs> it's a match. They Peaches is at ringside. They show her a lot. <laughs> Sandman is not an athletic wrestler, nor is Morocco, but no. neither one's really powerful either. I get the sense that, like, Sandman has the potential to be like uh i made a note in the next episode based on that match he's in where his punches are looking like kind of the way the rock throws punches yeah which doesn't really have anything to do with athleticism but entirely to do with performing skills for sure and his body isn't that dissimilar either because he's got like kind of a football player he's big Mm -hmm. like he could be a big deal but i think just because he doesn't have the like personality for it but i mean obviously we're you know he was one of the biggest stars in ecw we're gonna see that at some point i suppose i mean i think and without meaning to slander the guy i think what maybe hurts is that when it comes to say wrestling iq he just doesn't really have it i don't think he's got crowd iq like crazy he does seem to have the crowd because yeah when he comes you know he knew that the crowd at the time wanted you know a little, little later on a guy chugging beer and bashing it into his head. If that's what the ECW crowd wanted, and that's what he gave him. But in terms of when he's in the ring, yeah, it's tough to tell why he's doing anything that he's doing. Yeah, like he knows what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's very, like you said, there's no storytelling. It's just sort of like this happens and then this happens. Um. I mean, to be fair, we're going to see another match between them in the next episode, and the two matches could not be more different. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what that means, but uh, we get to, they pace forever. Yes. Um, the very first move is the uh, Sandman going for like a pin immediately, but we miss it because uh, whoever was switching on the camera angles just decided to show Peaches instead. Whoops. <laughs> um, crowds chanting "Polly sucks," which is nice. I like that. Yeah. Paul E. dangerously has more heat than Don Morocco. Oh, 100%. And without Paul E., Don Morocco, I don't think would really get any reaction at this point. You've seen him for a few weeks. He's not like, it's not a novelty to have him in there now. No. And it's, he's not doing too much. Uh, Stevie Wonderful says they're chanting for Polly to give some of that spray on hair to Todd Gordon, which I thought was really weird because it's like he's supposed to be Polly's buddy. Yeah. He's making fun of his bald spot. Hey, when you got hair like that, you know? Oh, yeah. man. Mullet with a bald spot. <laughs> That's like, I don't want, yeah. You know, people can do what they want. With their uh, with their bodies, except that, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got a collar and elbow tie up, and the two exchange clubbing blows. Very exciting. They club, they club, they club, they club. They're clubbing, they're clubbers. What do you? Uh, they're, they're rave kids. Oh, do you see this kid in the background? There was like a little kid calling uh, Don Morocco a chicken. 
No. And he goes out of the ring and he's like, it's like a little kid making like the chicken cluck cluck arms. It's amazing. Oh, poor Don Morocco. That's the best thing about going to wrestling is being able to vocally mock strangers. For sure. And have it be what you're supposed to do. It's the best feeling in the world. Uh, Clothesline knocks Don Morocco out of the ring. He can take a nice break. Have a gab. Uh, after like two more moves, he takes another break. And Sandman gets more poly sucks chance going because the crowd is dying. Yes. There's another tie-up. I think this is the third one. Usually the lock-up you see at the beginning and that again. Sandman grinds down on a deadly boring headlock. Very strange, uh, very strange move where he hits him with a clothesline, and instead of like taking it, like instead of selling it properly, Don Morocco sw- sells it by just sort of twirling in a circle. This is this is a match along with uh, the entire next episode that I watched twice because nothing stuck to me, and nothing stuck to me the second time either. It's tough. Like, I'm looking at the notes, and I can't. And I I watched this like two hours ago. And I'm looking at the notes, and I just can't associate anything with images. I have an image of Sandman doing like a spinning hit at one point that I liked. And that's the only thing I remember. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I have some of these matches. I feel like I have too many notes just because they're so boring that I actually have time to write more, <laughs> which is like, that's a bad dynamic to have. Like... Uh, to hear Brendan call the matches, you would think that there's stuff going on in these matches because, you know, his notes, it's like one move to another move, but it's like one move to both people going outside and walking around for a little bit yeah, and coming back in and maybe doing a move or maybe just going back out again. Well, it's that thing of like, it's a combination of like slow, sometimes sloppy and poorly directed for television so like we have a hard time focusing on it because we're not being shown what to look at yeah the sound is bad the commentary isn't focused the the you know the the tape itself is damaged like the fact that we're watching this we're doing you a fucking service here yeah uh they uh they really like it's slow without being remotely methodical. It's not like they're trying to sort of take the pace out of it to give themselves an advantage. It's just slow because they're incapable of working any faster. Yeah. Exactly. It's not Randy Orton match slow, which yeah. I think we can both agree is like his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Methodical, really finding, waiting for the openings and the weaknesses. He's listening to the voices in his head. They talk to him. They understand. They talk to him. Uh, they're, uh, yeah, I'm getting tired of the veterans giving zero for these matches because oh, like, they're taking spots away from young guys and they're they're collecting bigger paychecks, no doubt, and they're it's not fun. Fourth lockup of the match, Sandman works on Morocco's arm this time. He elbows Sandman in the abdomen and stomps him a couple times, works him over with his moveset, including some sort of, as Jay Sally calls it, a, some sort of karate-like move. What's that? It's like, kind of like a chop. but it was <laughs> It's a karate-like move. Uh, it goes for the pile driver, which is usually setting up for the finish. Uh, I like this a lot, actually. Sandman, you remember this? 
So it goes to the pile driver, and Sandman, like, they're close enough to the side that Sandman kind of, yeah. like, grabs the ropes and pulls himself off them. I love that. You never that was a good that. one. Um, I thought that happened in the second one. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> Sandman's on the apron on the other side of the ropes from him, and they're exchanging blows. Um, and then he ends up back in the ring and rolls him up with a small package. Two count, near fall. Polly then hooks Sandman's legs. The interferes, you know, drops him. And then Peaches jumps on Polly dangerously. I wonder who booked that one. Yeah. And then Rocket Rebel comes in and pulls Peaches off of Polly and he like stomps on her. It's terrible. Yeah, it's 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 a bit much. Chase Ellie says, Rock and Rebel just hit a girl. How could he? And then Stevie Wonderful says, Well, he hit her with his foot, that's how. <laughs> Which he's almost all, redeems how terrible that was. He's all class. Yeah. Uh, Sandman hits Rock and Rebel with a DDT in full view of the ref, but for some reason the match continues. Unfortunately, the match continues. Do you remember any of this, Luke? I genuinely don't remember a thing from it. I've seen this match twice today, and I like I got bad ADHD, so my short-term memory isn't perfect anyway. But if something's interesting, it sticks. Like the, uh, you know, the ECW special announcement that they cut to. Yeah, you remember, I remember that. the Sal Belomo stuff. But I just cannot be fucked when it comes to this stuff. The Don Morocco, Jimmy Superfly Snuka stuff is probably the least I've ever enjoyed wrestling in my entire life. It's so boring. And this is for the championship. Yeah. And th- isn't Snuka the TV champion? Yeah. Like, we're going to see these motherfuckers for so much longer. That's bad news. Because, uh, so here we go. So there's a ref bump. I feel like the ref bump was supposed to happen before, which is why he didn't do anything when Sandman oh, had yeah. Rebel with the DDT. There's a ref bump. Sandman whips Morocco into Rock and Rebel, which I thought was nice. Knocks him out of the ring. And then he puts him in a sleeper hold. And then Polly hits Sandman with the cell phone. It's like, the, it's like every piece of interference that could happen. Yeah, and then Don Morocco pins him, but he's all dazed from the sleeper. Uh, and the ref wakes up, counts just in time for the other old man in this promotion to pick up the only other singles belt. Yeah, the magnificent Morocco is your ECW heavyweight champion. But then there's this really weird promo afterwards, oh, and like Don Morocco is either selling having a concussion or being dazed, or he truly is dazed. Yeah. Because he says he wants to thank everyone for all the cards and letters and then says, where are we? And uh, then, like, leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, this, uh, Snuka mumbles something totally unintelligible. Uh, Eddie Gilbert has a bit of a laugh at something. Oh, yeah, he loves the it's the happiest day of his life because his friend won the title. Oh, boy. But then the best part, Soda's back. Paul E. dumps the rest of a can of soda down Jay Sully's tuxedo for no reason and then puts the empty can in the back of his tuxedo and pats him on the back, and that's the end of that. That's the end of the episode. Expensive to clean, I would imagine. Yes, because as we discovered in the credits, Jay Sully's uh, formal wear is provided. By the wedding touch. Oh, oh! I assume a wedding, uh, wedding rental store. 
Or wait, you you rent a wedding? No, you keep it. A wedding tux? Yeah, that's isn't it interesting? Is that you get to rent your suit for your grad? But if you do that for your wedding, it's like a bad. It's probably like a superstition or something. If you rent, oh, your I wedding, didn't realize that because everyone always just buys their wedding stuff and keeps it. Huh? I thought you rented your. I thought you rented your wedding tux. I don't think the wedding. I think the wedding party. <laughs> oh, that's. That's uh, what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. That's why I was saying rental place. I don't know if you can tell this listener, but Luke and I are not married. You know, to each other or otherwise. Or to the game. Wow. Because he's married to Stephanie McMahon. Ayo! Ayo! Captain Jack Ayo! Go left, go right. Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, so that was. Is that a big song? Playing the soccer? Captain Jack from uh, Dance Dance um, Revolution. It's a classic. Yes, okay. Captain Jack. Very sexy video. So what did you think of this episode of ECW? I liked it better than some of the other ones we've watched, and I hated it. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked to have seen JT. That didn't happen. But... Uh, yeah, I just the Superfly stuff and the Don Morocco stuff, and like Sandman, I'm interested in watching him wrestle. I'm just not interested in watching him wrestle fucking Don Morocco. And uh, we get to watch him wrestle Don Morocco in the very next episode for a rematch it, for the title. Oh, thank God! <laughs> uh, episode ten of ECW emanating on June eighth, nineteen ninety three. From the ECW Arena in the heart of South Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, ooh, we're going to have a uh, an interesting Pennsylvania thing here, aren't we? Yes, because we're getting a, a, a battle royal to crown the Pennsylvania State Heavyweight Champion. I really like... Uh, geographically specific titles <laughs> i like i like you know maybe you can only win that title in pennsylvania i would assume so uh you're not winning it in vermont you know what they say about that pennsylvania title you ain't winning it in vermont yes i am uh bernie sanders and uh, <laughs> i can't even do an impression of him I am once again asking you to let us win the Vermont State Championship <laughs> in any state we wish. So yes, yeah, so that's going to happen later on. Because, but we also know what's going to happen because we saw it last week. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and the clips. Uh, and um, Stevie Wonderful is not here, co-host officially this week. Paul E. Dangerously. Yeah, and uh, Jay Sully is not happy about it. No, I don't want to talk to Paul E. Dangerously uh, all the time. <laughs> I feel like, uh, does Paul Heyman say that uh, Morocco is trying to win the title? I didn't catch that, to be honest with you. I thought he made an error, but probably he didn't. It seems like he doesn't make that kind of I don't make mistake. errors. I make money. Champion. There we go. Well, I'm excited to uh, get Road Warrior Hawk in here. So there we go, because Jay Selly introduces Todd Gordon, who's holding a crown. It says it's going to be going to the winner of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming up on June 19th. 
at the Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular because they're going to be the king of Philadelphia. But uh, then we uh, have the official ECW debut of entrance music. As yes. Paul E is interrupted by uh, someone's music. Dubbed over by generic music that WWE Network has the rights to. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's... I was like, boy, when I was saying earlier that I'm excited for the production values to get better, when that music hit <laughs> over top of everything, I was like, oh, I, I'm you have my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the music was really bad. <laughs> it was it was bad in a way that I can very much get on board with. <laughs> and then there were like lyrics that were like, I'm going to go because we're rocking or something. It Some was like shredding guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, whose music is it, Luke? It's Road Warrior Hawk. Oh, what a rush. Wow. Uh, boy, I gotta say, having watched this for a while, Road Warrior Walk coming in, you see what a Mickey Mouse thing this whole thing has been. Because him coming out, I don't like Road Warrior Hawk. Right. And I was so excited to see him there. And he, like, in terms of look, in terms of charisma, everything. He just blew everyone there totally out of the water. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a guy who knows how to uh, cut a promo. And even if his gimmick is the shitty gimmick of not selling, he's it's still something. And this is like a dark time for him, too. Like, this is like 1992. He quit WWF after being too drunk at SummerSlam. Oh, wait. Yeah, was that 1992? Or that 1991? I'm not sure. I, keep, uh, I, get, all of his, I get all of his various uh, various problems confused. I mean, they just had the Dark Side of the Ring episode about him. So I know that, in general, the period of time between WWF contracts was uh, where he turned his life around. I don't know if we're at that uh, part of his life yet. He's looking pretty good. But he's also wrestling a tag team gimmick by himself. Yeah, and like this is classic ECW. So they're against Donnie Allen and the Samoan Warrior <laughs> in a squash match because why bury one homegrown talent when you could bury two of your homegrown talents by having them lose to uh, a star from another promotion? To be fair, Samoan Warrior is not homegrown. He is an Anawai. Oh, is he? He's uh, the Rock's cousin. I looked him up. A Samoan warrior. Do we ever, uh, do we do we hear much more from him in the world of wrestling? He's one of the many members of what they call the Samoan dynasty, a loose collection of wrestling families. You always, you've always got a bit of cachet. One of the many were... people in that group who uh, wasn't that successful in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> he was a replacement member of the Head Shrinkers uh, after uh, Rikishi went solo. Okay. So, all right. He's got, he got a couple paychecks. Yeah, definitely did. Uh, and his, and actually he's, his ECW gimmick is, uh, is uh is yet to come. I think it's something like LA Smooth or something like that. So I'm I'm kind of excited about that. But before all of that, Hawk says he needs some fresh meat. 
and that uh, if there's anyone out there who doesn't think this is the real deal, they should come down and give it a try, and they'll be picking their teeth out of tomorrow's bowel movement. Yeah, that was a quite an image. I've been watching a lot of 1992 wrestling re- recently, and uh, so I've seen a lot of his promos in a row, and they're always body, kind of body related, <laughs> body, like, body gross, out, gross out body horror kind of kind of stuff. Um. We we also get before anything we get clips of the Terry Funk Eddie Gilbert feud to pump the tires of that. That's been going on for a while, Jesus. Because well, it, the clips are from like episode one and two because Terry yeah. Funk is here in the building. Todd Gordon brings him out, and he boringly reiterates the rules for the millionth time of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match, and then Paul grovels at him really consistently and challenges him to a match with the Dark Patriot, which I guess we're going to see at some point. I'm excited to see uh, this Dark Patriot cat. It's it's a cool name. It is. It's got a mask. He's he's a patriot. We both are are huge fans of, of, of patriots. Oh, one of one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's up there with uh, hunting. We both love. Ooh, mama, blow that deer's head off. Teach them yeah, to you're not going to you're not going to eat the skull. Come on. <laughs> uh, Funk says he's never turned down a challenge in his life and accepts. And then he asks who the Dark Patriot is, and with some nice sarcasm, says he's real scared. Paul keeps groveling and runs away. Yeah, so it's something to look forward to. I guess so. I don't know, you know, if we've been building for this Terry Funk match for uh, like two months why we need to worry about his next match after that but or before oh yeah i suppose could be next week on the show i don't even know but my theory about this is sir my theory and we'll be able to piece this together as we go okay they're shooting multiple episodes in a row at the arena in one night so they do a bad job of saying things like next week and this sort of thing because it's right. actually going to happen that night in real life. Right. But it's going to happen maybe next week on the show. It's like, uh-oh. When you watch the show, uh-oh. Every kid you're seeing in the audience is going to compete at some point. Or that's actually a perfect example. I was thinking about uh, what we were talking about an hour ago, but uh, whose line is it anyway? Where they would do like six or eight episodes in a day and just like, change the non Colin Mockery Ryan Styles cast members. Oh, I didn't realize that they did it that they rotated people out throughout the day even. Wow. I think that that was my understanding. I remember hearing an interview with somebody about how marathon those tapings would be. And how like sometimes they would accidentally make callbacks to like episodes that different episodes and they would right. have to cut those jokes out because they didn't make any sense. Nothing better than a marathon of improv. The uh, the fundraiser we didn't even know we had to do. I've done that, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a classic Victoria thing. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> you also did naked theater, so you know, classic Victoria. Oh yeah, that's you know, it's the West Coast way, man. Yeah, man. Just be free with your penis. <laughs> So we get this match that you told to the Simone Warrior and Don E. Allen versus Road Warrior Hawk. Have we seen Don E. Allen before, or is this his no. uh, okay, yeah. debut? 
Um, like I said, the Simone warrior is part of the Anawaii family. He's the rock's cousin. He's related to Roman Reigns and many greats. And Donnie Allen is from Philadelphia. He's a hometown boy. He's from the, the Schuylkill river, the, the, from the banks of the Schuylkill river. <laughs> he was wa- washed up on shore. Yeah. But no, it's sort of a Jason Bourne figure. <laughs> You went with Jason Bourne. I was going to go Moses. No, it's it's the same story, you know. Oh yeah, Jason Bourne is basically a modern day Moses. Moses twenty two thousand two. Cue the Moby song. Hi. Strange things, strange things I don't know. I love that song. I always get really amped up when they play that song at the end of the movies. Oh baby, oh baby. Then it fell apart. Right? Yeah. I'll be watching a Jason Bourne movie, uh, and I'll be excited for it to end, because I know I'm going to hear that song. At the same time, I wish it could go on forever. Mm, I love Shaky Cam. I really love the Bourne movies. I love a little bit of, ooh, who could he be? You know, really, it's just a, it's a veiled metaphor about the... Uh, the struggle of white people to figure out where they fit in in a world where they don't have a. They're not, you know, he's, a, he's an, Amer- an American who goes over to Europe to try to find his roots. <laughs> ground and, himself in the yeah. in the physical in his, you know, geography. And he's inadvertently responsible for the deaths of many. Hey, it ain't easy. <laughs> Uh, so the guys, they, they double team Hawk, but he quickly recovers and runs wild because it's a squash match, baby. Oh boy, yeah. So they they do get a bit in because they he turns his back to them. It is a two on one after all. So you know, and then he yeah he pins one of them. I forget which. It's over. Hey, what's his? Because the thing is that the Road Warriors finishing move is like a two person move, so he can't do it. So. All he does is like he does this like kind of die spear or something off the top rope. He should he should adapt better, I'd say. Yeah. He's been uh, a professional wrestler for a long time. Tennish tennis years at this point, I'd say. And then he cuts a promo uh where he says something like, uh why well, I, I wrote it down. I think of things like detached retinas. Deviated septums, bruised ribs, torn cartilage, floating pieces of bone chips. These are the things that my dreams, these things are my dreams, are soon to be your nightmare. I, who's he talking about? Jimmy Snuka? Yeah. Yeah. Those things are already parts of my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Kind of scary. Deviated septums, though. Is that something you can do to somebody? I didn't know you could. I just thought it was something that would happen. Yeah. Well, who knows? My, my, my septum is just like started dressing differently and listening to really uh, edgy music. and It's really, it's really deviated from the norm. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. My <laughs> God. Oh, yeah, but he also says something like he doesn't care about Snooka's pet hamster, Fred, which... He always has these weird details in his promos that don't make any sense. He's uh he's an artist. He is. Uh so he's going to uh he's gonna go up against Snuka, so that's fun. 
Yes, I suppose it's fun. Maybe he'll win. <laughs> Snook has got to be. I would. I would guess Snook is thinking, "Fuck! I actually have to like do a match now. I'm gonna get hit hard by a guy." <laughs> Somebody who's not afraid of me. Yeah, <laughs> not a not a twenty four year old kid who is rightfully afraid of me. Yeah, Gilbert's there. Yeah, we got a promo from Gilbert in front of some trees. I assume on the side of the ECW Arena parking lot, and he's going to be the king of apparently, according yeah. to him. Seems pretty confident about it. Love the confidence. The passionate promo, aka loud. I think the mics are peaking on this one. He says that Philadelphia is looking for a hero and uh, trashes some of their previous uh, sports stars. But he makes it sound kind of like he's like a babyface because he's like wearing a Phillies hat and he's mm-hmm. saying he's going to be the hero of Philadelphia. Kinda he weird. just he just wants to be loved. He really likes sports gear. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably just like yeah, he's probably just like a sports gear guy, and he's like finds excuses to like get them to pay for it. He's like, I need a New Jersey Devils jersey uh, so that they boo me. Can you pay for that? We could pay for half of that. It's just not in the budget. You know, they call it a New Jersey Devils jersey, but they don't call it a New York Rangers York. Whoa. Mind equals blown. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. Uh, Sir, this is an Arby's. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So So from Philadelphia, we got the whole state. We got match two, which the graphic of the commercial said was a 20-man battle royal to determine the Pennsylvania champion, but is in fact a 16-man battle royal. I, uh, I, as soon as that graphic came up, I started counting because I knew that that wasn't right. <laughs> it's like, have I seen 20 wrestlers in yeah. the whole show? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about this one. Yo, it's bad. It's, it's for a new title, which yeah. is which is uh, cool. Which we don't get to see. Like, they never really show these things. No. And yeah, there's just a lot that happens. It's a lot of big guys in the ring at once. It's a shame in some ways that uh, that WWE owns that Royal Rumble format because it really is the only good way to do these types of over-the-top rope battle royals. Because if you start with the 16 guys in, what it is is a testament to the uh, construction of the ring, which is good that's true it is a sturdy ring yeah i like watching uh, the referee who's inside the ring with all of them kind of like like uh work his way through and look at stuff like he's like at a party and he's like excuse me like <laughs> and as as uh Paul e points out there are no rules other than over the top rope you're out right. so the ref really should be on the outside absolutely i mean, i feel like that's one thing wwe is pretty good at is like realizing that sort of thing like you'll see a type of match where like like a cage match where there's like refs on all around the outside or that kind of thing yeah yeah there's no no need for them to be right in there although the camera operator will be inside the cage which is can you imagine being like the one camera operator inside the cage for a cage match like i'd be so nervous about just being in the right places and not getting hit I feel like that's almost like why they built like the elimination chamber the way they did. It was so they was like there's like there's no down like it goes past the edge of the cage. So it's like really it's much easier to shoot it from inside than a yeah. cage match. 
Um, Salmon and Rock and Rebel are eliminated immediately. And they brawl the outside and they leave. So now it's 14. There's something... Something interrupts this match, doesn't it? Yeah. Let me work through here. So, uh... Oh, yeah, well, first of all, what interrupts this match is a ad break. Uh, we come back from the ad break and there are fewer people in the ring. Nine of them are uh, and everyone's just kind of rambling around and throwing hands and, uh, Suicide Blonde eliminates Sal Blomo. The Super Destroyers are out at this point. I think yeah. they got out during the commercial. Uh, there's this great moment where, I don't know, like, I don't know why I like this so much, but Jay Sully just, like, totally loses his train of thought, and he's like, oh, Tommy Stetson putting the big boot to the small warrior up on that ring! Buckle! Yeah. <laughs> Super weird. I mean, it's it would be tough. It would be tough if you're there to know what to say when you're looking at it. Yeah, especially because they don't. I I'm, I don't think they have monitors. Maybe they do. Maybe they got a monitor so they can see what's being shown as a TV show. But there's only like two or three cameras. So at that point, I, of production history, I'm sure there's no nuance to it at all. No. So I was hoping that JT would get this one. No dice. No. Him and the Simone Warrior get kind of eliminated at the same time. Um, we got Stetson and Winners, the Suicide Blondes, and Tommy Cairo, the final five. Two tag teams, not top babyface. And so Winners gets both the Suicide Blondes. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Oh, he, he gets both the Suicide Blondes and uh, his tag team partner. Yes, he accidentally gets Stetson. Somehow, it's like this weird, like the kind of move that you see people do off the corner where they all kind of hook up to each other. But it, it, yeah, it's very ineffectual. Yeah. And then the, the Suicide Blondes pull Tommy Cairo out from under the rope, beat him up, and Tony Stetson gives out to Larry Winters and pulls his hair and punches him. I guess he's a heel now. Which we saw last week on the clips. Oh, yeah, they, they spoiled it for us. <laughs> they did. But uh, they didn't spoil the ending and the champion being who it is. So Tommy Kyra rolls back in, and uh, there's a near elimination of Larry Winters that might have been a botch because they just redo the exact same thing where he jumps at him and misses and goes over the top rope, and uh, Tommy Cairo is your your state champ. Uh Yeah. Congratulations, Mr. Cairo. If that is your real name. Oh, it is. No, that's right. ECW, you got to go by your real name. Uh, that's why you have Rock and Rebel, Peaches, and Tigra. <laughs> uh, Stetson comes over seemingly to apologize. But it's a swerve, and he throws winners into the ring post. He's still a bad guy. For real this time. You can tell because he's got his mullet tied back in a ponytail, which is an evil hairstyle. It's a... Uh... Basically, uh, what's it? Red letter A. What what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Red letter L. <laughs> Isn't that from Easy A or whatever? I don't know. Oh, I never saw that. You're comparing him having a ponytail for his mullet to the scarlet letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, uh, what we got here? We got Sal Belomo uh, challenging Sylvester Stallone, of course. Oh, that's amazing. So, okay, we'll, 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 let's rewind just a little bit. 
Stevie Wonderful interviews the Sandman backstage about the June 19th street fight brawl against Rock and Rebel at the Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular. And I love this because it's just Philadelphia accents. It's a standard promo, but like Sandman's got a thick Philly accent. Peaches got a thick Philly accent. And she like ends it by being like, and it happens to be Sandman's birthday, so we're going to be out that night partying over this. <laughs> All right. Totally worth mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, uh, Sandman. It's going to be Sandman's birthday, so you better not spoil his party. I like that she's... I just like that she knows that. It's not like, <laughs> I know his birthday. You don't it's, need to know. It's not like it's that. Well, it's his, his wife, right? I don't think it's his wife. In real I, life? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's his wife. His uh, shoot wife, as they say? I think so, yeah. In real? <laughs> so then uh, Jay Sally interviews Salmaloma backstage. Yeah, what'd you say he does? He challenges Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, I'm a movie star. The best is that there's these weird graphics that are like, like, like commentary about Sal Belomo. Like, it graphic comes up and just says, "Did Sal just challenge Sylvester Stallone?" <laughs> and then he keeps talking, and another graphic comes up that just says, "What the heck is Sal talking about?" Like, it's actually pretty. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I, I'd uh, he's he'll do a wrestling match or a boxing match. It doesn't matter to him. I like his new sparkly outfit too. It's pretty nice. Uh, Sandman's got a new outfit too, which is nice. Yeah. But first up, we got Glenn Osborne, the madman from the Badlands, and Tommy Cairo, who's back for a match versus the Suicide Blondes. The new champ, baby. Um, this is weird because they are being managed by Hunter Key Robbins III, but it's not official till after the match. Right. Uh, yeah, Hunter is a betrayer, essentially. Oh, yeah. First, we get a sign in the crowd calling the uh, Suicide Blondes the Suicide Trolls. Yeah. With a picture of a troll doll. That's what they totally are, dog. I think that these guys are really gassed from the uh, Battle Royal because it takes forever for the mask to get started. The whole thing is about four minutes, and I think two minutes is them kind of kind of getting checked for foreign objects, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. There's a double noggin knocker by Glenn Osborne on the Suicide Blondes. That's what Jay Sully calls it. Sorry, my notes on this one are very much focused on the end. Uh, That's all I got, too. Yeah. There's almost uh, no moves at all. Hunter Q. Robbins the third hits Glenn Osborne with his cane. The Blondes pick up the win. Tommy Cairo is never tagged in and does exactly zero things. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Then what do you uh, got? What do you got? I've got an example of why certain types of heels shouldn't speak. Oh, yeah? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I know exactly what you're talking about. When the Super Destroyers start to talk, they go from being like these intimidating, uh, these intimidating masked silent characters to like, oh, it's a guy. <laughs> Very much so, because Hunter announces from the ring that it is his privilege to manage the Suicide Blondes. He introduces, you missed the, uh, buried the lead here, a brand new third member of the team. Right. Sir Richard Michaels, <sighs> which we also had spoiled by those clips. And yep. then the Super Destroyers uh, inter- interrupt and take one of them, take some mic, and we get to hear his voice for the first time. 
the yeah, he's a guy. Yeah, just very much a guy that you might know. Like just <laughs> Oh yeah, I can imagine that guy like yelling at a clerk at Canadian Tire. I assume it's a similar feeling to like hearing Brock Lesnar speak for the first time and he goes from looking like the European villain in a diehard movie and then he opens his mouth and he has like a high pitched Minnesota accent. Yeah, it's just uh sort of the opposite of what you get with uh with the giant where or uh the big show where you like Quit in the past, Luke. <laughs> you hear his voice and you're like, Oh yeah, that's that's what that man should sound like. Yeah, his voice is like is like um uh similar to like Andre the Giant is like um almost inhumanly deep based on his size. It's yeah, it's a voice that you couldn't have without being uh without being that size. It's got that thing of like that people that big have where it's like it sounds like they're drinking milk all the time. Oh yeah. And they're like you know, that's the thing like that thick like a thick throat. Like you're gonna go to Uh Yeah, so apparently the Super Destroyers were tag team champs for two and a half years. Yeah. Which is like nuts to me. That's amazing. So I, I guess they were at Cabrini College for a while. Yeah, so I don't understand. I thought they won it on the first episode, but I guess not. I think that they were they were champs. We just didn't know when they'd won it. Similar to how uh, at some point Jimmy Snuka was actually the in, in, inaugural first ever ECW champion. But, oh, yeah. but when we come into things with episode one of the TV show, Sandman is the champion. Right. So there is like a history of house shows. And I guess at that point, they would just be the shows. Um, yeah, plain old shows. Plain old shows. You want uh, to check out e- ECW? I love the reason that Hunter gives for how um, like he doesn't want the Super Destroyers to challenge the Suicide Blondes because he's like, well, There's you're my guys. boys and they're my boys. So how could I have my boys go up against my boys? Come on, boys. So then the Super Destroyers, years before Vince McMahon ever publicly said it, Pola, you're fired. fired. And everybody brawls. Everybody brawl. Sometimes. Um, and they get Todd Gordon, right? And yeah, he he uh, menacingly calls Todd Gordon to the ring with his non-threatening regional accent. <laughs> and yeah, gets him uh, man the title match to sign a match for next week. And then they say that they're having a match next week, but that's not the sense that I got. Yeah, that was once again they got they're really bad at uh, at the consistency with the communication with the talking points. The talking points. So then we got an ad break and we got a promo from uh, uh, of Jay Selly running down the card for the Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular. Say that five times fast. Uh, Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular. 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 Ooh, hey. hire me for your uh, radio ads. You want a pop? Yes. There you go. Mmm. <laughs> Uh, there's some amazing synth action music, and he talks about the matches coming up on the 19th, uh, just uh, 11 days away. A uh, couple new ones out of the card, Jimmy Snuka versus JT Smith 
if Snuka wins, he will face Tommy Cairo. That's a reward for winning, I guess. I I don't understand. Does it like? Does that mean as a TV champion, he might like earn a state champion title match as well? Yeah, I feel like it's just it's just not right. It doesn't make any sense. And then the other match added is uh, Larry Winters versus Tommy Stetson in a first blood rules match. You know, from their long standing blood feud from ten minutes ago. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait. Every time they've stopped because of blood, I've been so sick of that. So I'm glad that finally, like they've never stopped it for blood. Isn't this? Isn't first blood like the same? But that's how you win. Like the first one to drop blood wins. Yeah. Yeah. So in this one, it's the opposite. In that, Start, or it's not it the starts for blood. <laughs> yeah, I guess no. It, it's the it's the opposite in that. Like, I guess what they're implying is that in ECW, every match is a first blood match. Like, if somebody starts bleeding, the match is called. When did they imply that? That's just, I mean, because the whole point of the match is like, this is this match isn't going to be stopped if uh, for blood. Oh, so you're talking about you're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yes. That's just so hard to keep track of all this. And that's the other problem with that match is the way that they lay out the stipulation. It's just no DQ. Yeah, it is. But they're tied to each other with a chain. So it's like a strap match, but with a chain. Maybe in their mind, the fact that it won't stop for blood takes it beyond a normal DQ match, you know? It's a, it's a way of advertising that there will be blood. Yeah. Yes. There if there isn't, blood. I mean... There will be blood. I'm Terry Funk and I'll drink your milkshake. Come back to a match joined in progress. San- Sandman versus Don Morocco with a rematch. Don Morocco with Sandman. Woo! You were talking about Sandman's new gear. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's not, not that bad. rubber, not that rubber wetsuit anymore. It's like a wrestling outfit. Yeah, it's like it's it's halfway between his wetsuit and wrestling gear, I'd say. Yeah. Black and white. Probably spandex or lycra. It doesn't bunch up like the rubber one, but it does ride up. Oh boy, does it ever. <laughs> Mamma mia. A lot more energy in this match than the one they had in the previous episode. Eddie Gilbert's on commentary for some reason. Actually, the weird thing is they come back from commercial and there's a graphic that says the commentators are Hot Stephanie Gilbert and Jumpin' Jay Sully. So I guess, Jumpin uh, Jay Sully. I guess he's uh, got a gimmick. Sandman's working over Morocco. Eddie Gilbert insists that he is the actual president of ECW, which he's not. But soon he'll be the president of the United States, which he will not be. Close enough. Did you see Peach's outfit? Yes. Oh, Peaches. White cowboy boots. Big old white khaki shorts. And then just a bra. She seems to be the main focus of the, uh, the camera operator at ringside. Um, yeah, we got pretty standard back and forth. I don't know. Abdominal stretches. You know, I was talking about the thing where the wrestlers bend over and telegraph a move and I don't like it and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sandman does this and it's done perfectly. Telegraphs a back body drop is met with a big boot and the rhythm of it's all correct. It's great. It makes sense. Yeah. Weird, uh, very long abdominal stretch. So then that's the point where I was like, well, this is boring and I hate it. And uh, then 
Sandman gets an abdominal stretch, doesn't he? Yeah, for like a second. Yeah. And then he hits a clothesline, I think. Yeah, that was the that was the move I liked. You liked it when he hit it's kind of like a spinning clothesline. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves immediately to go after Polly for some reason. Um and then yeah. Sandman's counted out. Yeah, very he really does not care about his old title, apparently. Yeah, he, he didn't fight that hard to keep it. No. To get it back. But at least he didn't lose clean again. You know? Watching him lose clean was tough. I, oh, no, sorry. I mean, at least he didn't lose clean. I mean, he didn't lose clean last week. There was so much interference and, like... Yeah. Uh, so he still gets to look strong in, in terms of wrestling psychology, I suppose. He cares more about kicking... Paul's ass. Uh, yeah, that's it. Roll credits. First episode at the ECW arena is uh, kind of uh, down the hatch. I feel like a lot of the things that happened in it would have been more interesting if they hadn't been spoiled. Yeah. Yeah, they decided not to have any twists. We knew we were getting Hawk. We knew we were getting Tony Stetson heel turn. We knew we were getting a battle royal. We knew we were getting a new Suicide Blonde. We knew all these things. So, uh, what do you think of this episode there, Luke? I'm hoping it gets better. You know, next week is the go-home show for the first big show that they're doing in this run. So it could be good. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll be a, uh, just the, just what they need to turn it around. So I guess we'll be back here for another, uh, another scintillating double bill next week. Yeah, the one before and one after, right? The one before, the one after. And you can follow us. You can follow us on Instagram at hard... Uh, what is it? What is it? H Corehaven Pod. And Twitter, same thing. You should. I didn't even know we had Twitter because I don't personally have Twitter. But I will get it. You don't, which is why I could not tag you in tweets. Smart. I mean, whoever uh, runs our social media. <laughs> one of our interns. Yeah, that guy. Oh. Bubba, Bubba, Bubba the intern. Bubba, where's my coffee, Bubba? Well, he can't bring us both coffee at the same time. Different cities. He ships mine. All right, so I guess uh, I guess that's it. In the words of Stevie Wonderful, I'm bad at my job. I'm bad at my job. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>